This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. It's nice to do a show in a studio. I will say that. I mean, every day I get to come in here, doesn't matter what it's doing outside. Doesn't matter how cold it is. But I'll tell you, Ramya Muthan, my co-host in Toronto at the studio there, who traveled in, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to not have to be so affected. When I was shooting for uh, AMI-TV, when I was doing my blindsided series, we went to Quebec City, and it was minus 28 before uh, the wind chill. Okay. During the day. And we were outside for, well, at least 11 or 12 hours. I mean, we patted ourselves on the back because we could get things done. And we would come inside for a hot chocolate, but really the reason we came inside was so that the cameras would warm up because after a while oh they stopped functioning true. properly. Yeah, cameras don't like cold. How are you today? I'm good. Just the other day my phone died and I was surprised thinking I had battery. Like there was enough juice in here. How did it die? Um, And then I came back, put it on charge and it started at 10%. So I'm thinking the cold had something to do with that as well. This is real with the tech stuff. Well, they're rethinking, well, I say rethinking, reminding people about um, all of our electric vehicles because they will say a cold like this will reduce your battery's life by 25%. And oh, that's ridiculous. it will take even longer to charge it mm-hmm. back up. These are the things as we get pushing the uh, electric vehicles, we really have to think about going forward. Not saying we can't get around it. Batteries, they're batteries. Well, you know, that's what they are. But that's, that's not the, the, like the negative. You can't keep track of that, though. Like no, with gas, no, you, you know couldn't. when you're running out of gas. You know when it's empty or close to empty. It is... It, it, it's there's it a process yeah. in the same way with the weather obviously not and you can actually keep track of it but with the um battery and you're thinking okay it, it reduces the chance by of stuff by 25 percent. but how are you supposed to keep track of that i, I would imagine you see that on your the voltmeter i would dead. imagine yeah. yeah i would imagine you'd can see you it get annoying, to a charging station say, that's the key if we start saying well if someone feels you know charges up here and they're yeah. on the highway, they should be able to get to here and, and plenty have battery to spare. But when you talk about weather change like this and uh-huh. the cold, and all, all of a sudden, sudden you say, geez, uh, 10 miles short. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry Whoops. about that. Just going to hang out here until <laughs> my car starts up again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all that, um, geez, do we have any chargers any sooner? Are you crazy? It's Ontario. We're not spending money on that. <laughs> Folks, let's see what we've Ow. got coming up on our program today for you. You ready to go to school? There's a Taylor Swift course set to begin at Harvard University. Corinne Van Dusen will tell us more on our entertainment report in a while. I'm looking forward to that. Also, the CCB Toronto Visionaries chapter, that's the Canadian Council of the Blind, is turning 10 years old this year. They've been doing so much great work for those 10 years. We're going to talk more about that with community reporter Stephen Ricci. So much noise in the control room. They're all deciding how they're going to sign up so quickly for that Taylor Swift. We'll get all the details on that. (laughs) And, folks, J.J. Hunt is back to the program. He's going to be uh, taking us on an adventure to Malaysia today to learn about the Tamil Hindu festival of, uh, I hope I say this right, Thai Pusam. 
Let me know if I'm saying that yep. wrong, Rum. I oh, no, you're saying it right. All right. Awesome. So we're going to hear a lot from JJ later on in hour two of the program. So we've gone from VCRs to DVD players to streaming. What all over the place? Well, maybe not necessarily because reporter Danny Room is going to be telling us which one is making a comeback. Josh Schaefer runs Lunch Meat, a magazine and releasing label dedicated to the increasing number of folks who still love popping in a good old VHS. I think VHS has a particular feel to it. I think that people like the physicality of it. Just a few summers ago, a copy of Back to the Future sold at auction for $75,000. And a copy of The Goonies was listed on eBay for $125,000. Artists like Taylor Swift continue to dominate in vinyl sales. Before last Christmas, Luminate reported that more than 2 million vinyls were sold in one week. Clearly, folks have a hankering to own their favorite pieces of media again. Hmm. Some of this I was going to talk about with you and Greg on the roundtable Thursday, but I couldn't hold back. Wanted to roll this out because right. it is so interesting when you talk cassettes, when you talk VHS, when you, uh, you know, we recently had conversations about the good old days of what Netflix was when it started and then zoomed out of, you know, dealing with sending people stuff to what it is now as a streaming service. Whoop. We're hearing a lot more about the commercials and that that you can expect on all the streaming services. Ramya, it's nothing but a circle. Everything comes back. And when we're talking even vinyl, which is reportedly to have the greatest sound for real music aficionados, uh, you know, you start seeing the pluses of certain things. I mean, to me, there's nothing like being able to ask your smart speaker or zip ahead to a song you want to hear um, without having to click, fast forward back or forward yeah it's just phenomenal. never really get it right exactly it's almost like the miss it when it's gone sentiment right it really does feel like that when we talk nostalgia about um devices and and different ways that we get our content with media and all the time we see it like whether or not it's the examples that we just heard of and specifically i think of vinyl not as much with vcr but with music specifically i think like yeah people want to go back to the eras and then when you got that catapulted, like that momentum, you got the people who never even grew up with vinyl uh, helping it trend also to be like, hey, yeah, that's cool. You know, that retro aspect of it. Then you got TV shows pulling it in. Uh, like I remember Stranger Things having such a major impact on specific music genres, but also uh, like this the kind technology. of thing. Technology, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to follow, but I do think anything just like fashion uh, will yep. come back because, yeah, why not, right? Bring it back. It's cool. It's cool again. Well, and I think so many of us really like to fly back, and if we don't know of it, we want to explore that and see what was so cool about it. What was this like? My goodness. Yep. Wow. Um, so it's interesting, and, and we never know which way that flyback's going to be. I mean, Irene's getting up there, getting ready to log in for the Taylor Swift because the vinyl's coming back, <laughs> and she's pining away for her blockbuster videos to check out her vanity card that she shared with us the oh, other day. And yes, boy. that's how come I brought this out, Irene. Our director gave us a wonderful vanity card Monday. So go back and take a listen, and you'll understand what I mean about going back and those old times. Coming up in a moment, folks, what happens to the, to your pets when you break up? New laws in B.C. means that court might get involved. Grant Hardy, he has some details for us and the information as we talk about it with him on his headline segment next. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. 
Remember to check us out on AMI-audio. Wherever you are around the world, we appreciate it. Maybe you're using TuneIn Radio, OO Tunes, Radio Player Canada. That's, of course, a tremendous one because so many expats check us out that way. If you want to curate a whole bunch of Canadian content, Radio Player Canada. But I digress. Remember, we are on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern time and then repeated uh, eight hours later. Uh, no, not quite at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and then eight hours later, 6 a.m. in the morning. So a few opportunities over on AMI-audio to check us out. And wherever you're listening in around the world, we appreciate your time. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. We are the hosts of Kelly and Ramya here. I'm at the Home Studio London, Ontario. Ramya is on main campus at the studio in Toronto. Grant Hardy joins us now to talk headlines from his home studio, quote, home studio, unquote, in Vancouver. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Good day, sir. Nice to have you back on the program. All well? Going okay, folks. Happy Wednesday. Great to be back. How are you guys? Happy so far, Wednesday. good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and thank you, of course, as usual. Grant coming to the rescue and filling up segments when yeah. one thing changes. We can always say, who's going to save us now? So reliable. And in, riding in on his horse is Grant. Thank you, sir. Yeah, there you go. Grant coming to the rescue, except I can't get my own Zoom connection working. <laughs> so who's, who's going to come to my rescue? That's the question. Uh, <laughs> Megan. And then who's going to come to her rescue? It goes on and on and on. John Beeler. We'll send John exactly. Beeler. Oh, okay. He's down the street. Exactly. Are we allowed to do that? Just like poach our contributors for personal problems? <laughs> yeah, we need, to, we need to just go like in a big circle, you know, yeah. like yeah. everybody rescuing somebody else until it's like, wait a minute, like uh, Mary is doing like the cooking segment instead of the tech segment. What? What's going on here? <laughs> right. All right. Um, Speaking of rescuing, breakups, divorces are always hard on, you know, custody battles with kids and uh, finances and on and on and on. But one really interesting one is pets. And it turns out that there's new legislation in British Columbia that, quote, is going to change how pets have traditionally been treated as property. So meaning if, for example, I bring a pet into a relationship, my name is on the adoption papers, yada, 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 traditionally that pet is mine. Uh, now in British Columbia, you will actually have the opportunity to have a court decide on the custody of an animal. In fact, they even hint, this sounds way too much for me, but apparently people can do shared custody of a pet as well. But if you can't work it out, you can go to court. And there are some factors that courts uh, can use to determine who should have custody of the pet. I'll give you some of them, then we'll ask for your opinion. The circumstances in which the companion animal, quote unquote, was acquired, the extent to which each spouse cared for the companion animal, any history of family violence, the uh, a spouse's cruelty or threat of cruelty towards an animal, the relationship that a child has with the animal, that's interesting, the willingness and ability of each spouse to care for the basic needs of the companion animal, 
And the uh, government said that the changes were inspired by public feedback, especially people using a pet like a pawn. Like I said before, my name is on the paper. I don't care who is attached to this, whatever. Uh, I'm getting the pet. I read this quite a few times, and I'm still not exactly sure where I stand on this. On the one hand, clearly pets are not property in, in the same way that physical property is. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're loving members of your family. We all have relationships with them. They are, you know, they're not a thing. They're a sentient creature with feelings and thoughts, and we have the same feelings and thoughts and love towards them. On the other hand, I'm not exactly sure how you would even get started proving some of these factors in court, and I'm not 100% sure how I would feel about, for example, bringing a dog into a relationship, having my spouse's, you know, child get attached to the, the pet, and then possibly just having a court make the determination that, you know what, you're losing this member of your family. So I'm really not sure where I stand on this. What do you guys think? So, I mean, we have had discussions around all kinds of um, situations, I guess, regarding pets. And the more, you know, we have the dis discussions, the more obvious it is that these are important enough to bring to the table in these fashions, right? Um, now, whether or not you're a pet owner, it I don't think it mitigates from the fact that, like, in North America, we really do put these uh, conversations, we prioritize them, we have to deal with them in certain ways. It comes to the circumstances where people are fighting about their pets in court, Grant, and even before these laws or legislations are implemented, people do end up in situations where it's rough. Like, it's very tough for the, the humans involved as well as the animals involved. And when you're talking something like a cat or a dog who really... we anthropomorphize, as we say often on the show, um, these animals, and they're really part of our families, our households, our routines, our, our love and care, even our financial investment, because that comes up so often now, right? Um, and you got insurance for your pets, and you got all these things, and you, you divvy up responsibilities, all this stuff, and then your family splits, you got to deal with that aspect, whether or not it's implemented and weaved into our laws. So... It doesn't surprise me. I'm not sure how it'll be mm, delivered, like how the decision-making will happen, what's going to set the precedence for uh, how things are handled in court when it comes to yeah. pets. That's what I'm not concerned about, but very curious about. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. how do you treat all this stuff equally? I don't think you can, especially because of lifespan. Like, are you going to treat your... your case about a hamster the same way you would about your dog or your cat? Eh, questionable. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point, too, is that for, for whatever reason, and not necessarily because of the intelligence or sentience or any other factor present in the animal or not, but we right. do tend to value certain animals more highly than other animals, sure. which is interesting. I mean, I, you know, chicken just ask a vet as i understand right exactly just, like you know what where, where would you spend the money and where wouldn't you sorry go ahead grant chicken no yeah like chickens you know pigs etc are you know can be 
intelligent, in the case of chickens, friendly, sociable animals, but, you know, we value dogs more highly. You know, hamsters, as, as Rami mentioned, maybe not the same level of sentience, but your kid might value their hamster more than their dog. Who knows? So, yeah, it's, it's interesting in terms of that anthropomorphizing, if I'm saying that correctly, the value placed on the animal, the spending, all these other factors, how would we prove that in court? Kelly, go ahead. So I look at it this way. If Ramya's mother had taken a cat or a dog as opposed to their family hamster, I wonder if this court stuff would have been available back then if she would have spent more time than if it had been a cat or a dog. I could have anyway. taken my mom to court for giving away my hamster, yeah. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Gosh. If this law was in place, what? but if again, to your point, would the sentence be the same as if it was a cat or a dog she had removed and given away? Um, this is something I've, I we've talked about a few years ago because we'd heard of this discussion, the problems that happen, and, you know, I I, I totally, and, and I'm, I'm a non you know, full disclosure, folks, I don't have a pet, but to me, I have heard so many stories. Watch the stress, the upset, and see the relations. It's a no-brainer. To me, a lot of the things you said there, Grant, uh, of course, make sense, like treating the, the pet as that family member they definitely are. But yet you also think of... How the, how the animal feels being taken away from one person or, or another, uh, the child, how they feel. All those are such key points and the contribution that someone makes. Unfortunately, sometimes that balances out where one person, look, if you must get a pet, that's fine. But you do the taking care. You do the walking. You do the change, whatever, um, changing of the litter, whatever it might be. And and I think that that stuff does have to be respected and protected. Um so that someone, especially when people get petty, uh, and when I say petty, oh, it it's a pretty serious really petty, bad. when people do yeah. it with children. So what's going to stop them from doing oh, it with, with a pet? Pets. It's the same say, hey, thing. Yeah, Will that hurt you? I'm taking him. Yeah, yep. we hear all kinds of horror stories about stuff like this, honestly. People separating after years of being together, couples, uh, and everybody moving out and just absolutely fighting tooth and nail for, um, you know, who gets to keep the dog or whose dog was it and whose intentions yeah. and who to... And then, like I said, I I'm serious about the finance part as well because these um, pets are huge investments. Like, we're talking thousands of dollars a year that you're yep. spending or saving or keeping for your pets because of how much it actually takes to to raise your cats and dogs, especially. But also, you know, your fish. You know? yeah. <laughs> like your and, and the love, the love <laughs> that they give back to you unconditionally and that connection yeah, yeah, people have is Emotional nothing to laugh at, and, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of people used to just Animation. laugh it off, you know, are you going to get upset if the wife thinks the dog? Oh, oh, oh. And there are a lot of people oh. out there being honest with themselves that say, Damn but straight. the hard part is going to be deciding who the dog wants, right? Like, there's, isn't there, oh, yeah, I, I might right. be wrong, but there, there's a part of that oh, yeah. for children, where children can, can sort of make a case for themselves, or you can hear That's from right. the children about Or the parent can custody. make the case with the child being yes. there. Yes, And yes. the relationship, so for sure. It's interesting, isn't it? The, if, you, if you look at all those factors that I just read out, I mean, other than cruelty, abuse, etc. Uh -huh. I don't, there's nothing about what would be best for the animal. Yep. Like, so, has, so is this here, animal... Here, my question to both of yeah, you, could, could not you see the day where the pet almost makes that decision by the relationship that is viewed? But how do you prove that? 
well, you prove it in different ways. You can either have someone from the court in present at the home. You can have different things mm. that could be just like they do with children. Yeah, and children's families. aid and social work. But and social, again, yeah. will our society invest in that as they would in children and have people in paid positions to do that? That's down the road, I would imagine. What you'd have to do is hide their favorite treat somewhere <laughs> on your person. And then you go to court and you say, all right, come yeah. on. Don't, come on, don't, Snooky. Don't Which of us do you prefer? Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Liver but or fish, like, who knows you like better? That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, just go to any I of your favorite uh, sitcoms. There's always an episode on this. Who did the cat choose? Not on my one. It's so true. Really? True. New Girl? Okay, yep. never mind. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. All right, of course, I'm new. Don't miss an episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't think um, we've got time to... No, yeah. not quite, Grant. But I, I do think that when we talk of this subject, it is going to be very interesting to see on the level of serious. The courts have opened this up, and I yeah. would assume, I would expect, if you're going to open this up, you're going to look at handling it in a very serious and respectful manner. And um, we're not going to hear so. silliness. So we're not going to spend money on people that are hired to go and check out the the situation in the home unless there's abuse. Yeah. Grant, pal, thank you. Just thank you. And you know what? You can't coach the pets either. So there you go. Why not? I'm no. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see. Probably, you probably can in some ways, right? Yeah. Wow. Grant Hardy here with headlines. He does this on Mondays and Wednesdays on the program. Folks, uh, we're going to talk to you about that school, going back to school. There's a Taylor Swift course set to begin at Harvard. Corinne Van Dusen has those details and so much more in our entertainment update after this. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Always appreciate your time. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. You can also check out our podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. While you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. It's Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Well, we love to talk entertainment with our next guest slash contributor who's coming up, and she always keeps us posted on the latest and greatest out there. Let's bring on Corinne Van Dusen. I'm Corinne Van Dusen. Join me as we dive into the latest entertainment stories from music, television, and movies here with Kelly and Ramya. We're going to get into the greatest in a bit, Corinne, because we're obviously talking about Taylor Swift. But to start things off, there's a new late night show that's coming up. It's called After Midnight. Um, it's debuting this week. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm laughing and I got to define, Corinne, I've got to, I've got to just make a, a distinction here because I heard that laugh coming out of the doorbell. Amuthan, are you a Taylor Swift fan for real? 
Eh, no, I don't think so. Okay, thank you. That, so. Okay, Corinne, you were laughing yeah, but at the same thing not, I was, that too. That wasn't okay. a subjective statement that I made. No, no, She's but the laugh sound is the greatest. just kind of like... <laughs> what did we say? Like, yeah, we'll get to the most important. One in 75 songs played as Taylor Swift? Like, that's... That's and still the stuck most in my head. vinyl out yeah. there. She's made the most sales in vinyl. My gosh, people appreciate the sound. Anyway, so anyway, uh, yeah. Go ahead, back Ms. to the Let's second back to the greatest subject. thing. Potentially. You'll get your laughter going um, again later. Correct. It's, yeah. it's called After Midnight. It's a new late night show, and it's debuting this week. So you're saying it's not quite a talk show, not a game show, but After Midnight is expected to be a lot of fun for the people who are appearing on the show. So I'm curious about what makes this different than anything else that's out there already. But who's hosting it? Uh, yeah, it actually debuted last night. Oh, nice. So um, I can talk a little bit about that. I, I did watch it. Okay. Um, I Being up for an early morning show, I recorded it, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Mm. Uh, comedian Taylor Tomlinson, she's hosting it. Uh, it was announced by Stephen Colbert. It comes on after his show. That's why it's called After Midnight, because yep. Stephen Colbert's show ends at like 12.05 or something like that. Uh, and she is right now the only female late night host. So that's exciting. Uh, a lot of comedy fans know Tomlinson. She's got specials out there. Uh, she's been a name in the comedy circuit for a while. So it's uh, it's exciting to see, you know, a, a, it's always exciting to see a woman helm a show. Mm -hmm. Now, what was the promo like leading up to this? Was this big in the news, in the entertainment biz? Like, were people excited that she was doing this? Uh, was it out there? Oh yeah, yep. It was okay. out there. There was lots of releases about it. Um, it she Stephen Colbert even did a thing on his show where he was talking about he's producing a show that's coming on after his and who should be the late and who should be the host. And she was in the audience, so they did a whole bit mm. about that. So he he's really taking it on to promote it. But it has been in like you know promoted on Instagram in the um, like I guess they don't have physical copies of magazines anymore. But you know. right, right. E magazines, they would say. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been out there. And uh, it's, yeah, it's the form. Do you want to hear about the format? Yeah, tell Probably, us. Right? Tell us. <laughs> uh, did, you act, did you ever see At Midnight? It was a show that ran from 2013 to 2017 on Comedy Central. No. 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 Okay. Is this so similar this, to it? This is... They say based on it, it's exactly the same. Okay, okay. <laughs> like so, which isn't a bad thing if you liked it. And they keep saying, oh, it's kind of a game show, kind of a talk show. And it's uh, one of the taglines is kind of a talk show with no conversation. And I'm oh. like, well, it, it's not <laughs> a talk, not a talk show, show at all, at all. I don't know why they're selling it this way. I don't know why that was in any of the promo. Is it because people is would a, be weirded out if it wasn't a talk show? Like, we're not ready for a non-talk show, late show? Maybe. Or a late-night game show? Like, like yeah. they're just not ready for it? Mm -hmm. If they didn't remember the um, the original one from earlier in the, like, 2013, 2017, um, you know, it's a game show, but the points are fake. So you have these comedians on there. There's uh, Thomas in the host and then three comedians, and they ask them random questions. And there are writers on the show. So um, a lot of the a, a lot of the answers have been written by or for the comedians. So there's a lot of punchlines there. Um, the points are fake. Uh, so that comes from like a whose line is it anyway, where they say the points is fake. Are, are fake kind of things, so they're just given willy-nilly. Uh, I read something uh. in USA Today that said the best moments were the least scripted when the comedians and Thomason ah. were just yep. talking, cracking jokes instead of trying to land the puns the writers set up for them. 
Nice. Yeah, I was wondering if there was enough room by what you were saying for that ad-libbing. And I think that's the point. No points. We can just be as silly. That little competitiveness in each other is now just to up the other person, uh, be the funniest one there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the comedy community is very, like, for the amount of stand-up comics that are out there, it's very small. So right. you can tell that in at least the first show, everyone knew each other. So they knew how kind of how far they could go with each other and how much they could play. It's also still like network television. So there's going to be censorship True. and mm -hmm. such. But um, I, it's really fun to well, the first one was fun to watch because I liked the original show and um, the people who were on the debut show were Kurt Brownholer. Uh, Aprina Nasharana and Whitney Cummings. So uh, pretty strong names to start it off there. Mm -hmm. And did you enjoy the whole thing or was there something particular enjoyed more than um, anything else? I, I, with the first show, I liked the whole thing. We'll see what kind of games they bring out because la last night they brought out uh, hashtag wars. So last night's hashtag was lesser known TV shows. So it's a, it's a lightning round of buzzing in oh. with funny lesser-known TV shows. Nice. Uh, so those are always good. Um, it's still getting filtered out, but not really because they have the format. You know, you just right. insert whatever here, which, you know, which works. And for, um, you never know, like, it's it's also short segments, which is which is what a lot of people watch yeah. these days. You know, Instagram videos and TikTok and da-da-da. So that really helps. There's not more commercials than there usually is, but there's, like, okay, We've got this section, moving to this section, moving to this section. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. uh, that's something that's good. Yeah, right. I kind of like that, especially when you're not having more commercials. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about your second item. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling reuniting on screen. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, are they? Yeah. So. Uh, this popped up because uh, all the award shows have been happening lately. So there was right. like the Critics' Choice Awards, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, you know, McDonald's favorite meal. I don't know. Everything came out this week. <laughs> yeah. So news of an Ocean's Eleven prequel has been out since last year. But Margot Robbie talked to uh, Entertainment Tonight at the 2024 Critics' Choice Awards on Sunday. She was on the red carpet and uh, she brought it up and said, yep, you know, we've been we've been looking at that. Uh, it's still in development, she said, so there's no other casting or plot release. But when you saw Margot Robbie and Ryan Reynolds in Barbie, the chemistry was, was instant, Ken and Barbie, right? And if you see them in interviews together, you can hear them play off each other and the kind of, um, you know, back and forth that they have. They really remind me of uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who uh, were the right. iconic couple yes, yes, in the original. Yeah. Well, in the remake, because the original has Frank Sinatra in it from years and years and years ago. Right. So yep. it seems like they they are kind of like the new Clooney and Roberts mm. is, you know, like Robbie and Gosling. Sorry. Yeah. Slash Ken and Barbie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Any idea was any comment as to how long? How long would we have to wait for this? When's it coming out? <laughs> well, if so, it's one of those. Uh, it's still in development, so they probably have like a spec script and like thinking of a director and possibly uh, a company and stuff like that. So really, what they've done so far is kind of attached Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling to it to entice other people. There's been talk of uh, the a prequel coming out for a while now but there hasn't been any mm -hmm. release date or anything so uh also with the writer strike and the actor strike that has pushed absolutely everything that could have been made back 
even further. So uh, we don't know how far along they were in development before those strikes happened and where they had to start from again after they came back to work. Okay, so let's do one of the favorite games of Korean. I, I, I think this is a cool one to do. Uh, you mentioned George and Julia, okay? The iconic uh, Ocean's Eleven's couple. What kind of casting would you, if you were running around picking, like to like to put together? <laughs> uh, I'd like to see kind of a real life couple be in there because I was thinking of you know who could pull off a heist and who could pull off those things, and Beyonce and Jay Z would actually be <laughs> I think a really good casting to bring in there and have people around them. Okay, so now, like, there's a they're, little more pop and rum than Taylor Swift. Then that's really funny. No, because it's <laughs> like know? the entertainment biz, but uh, yeah, a couple that's already a couple is what you mean, like real mm -hmm. couple. Okay, well, not I, I, I've seen them in concert <laughs> together. I don't know if they've got the chemistry. <laughs> that's terrible. I don't know if they've got the um, the performance chemistry that Ken and Barbie. Well, Beyonce have, has done movies. I don't. He's think done it all. Yeah. In, yeah, Jay-Z has done any acting. So, yeah, well, so this will be a test on him. Throw him out there. See what happens. Can, yeah. <laughs> can he keep up with her? <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, we do have to talk Taylor Swift, though, because we teased about it now. So Taylor Swift course is set to begin at Harvard U. And this is not really like unheard of or unknown, learning about the great mm -hmm. writers in history. We now right. have another name added to the lift. So pop culture courses, like I said, are everywhere why is taylor swift making it and making her own class out of it perhaps well, you can get a degree the next step a taylor swift well, degree no it's an elective class right now, so <laughs> um it's called english 183 ts taylor swift and her world um it isn't the first class uh other universities like nyu and i believe arizona state have put out uh courses about taylor swift but this is the first like ivy league um cool. course yes uh, wow. yeah. profs seem to believe that she you can compare her stuff to a lot of literary works like then study the tools used in politics and to boost the economy is what swift does when she comes around she's very very influential influential so you know what better way than to take a massively uh influential and huge artist and kind of say See, she's doing this now, but we can compare it to something that was written 100 years ago or this. So hmm. introduce the students through something they already know to broaden their horizons in literature, art and all that stuff. Mm. Really interesting, influential too, when you especially comparisons. So as a fan for you, uh, I'm not saying would you run out and take this course or whatever, but you can see the value in this. I think I can... as a business course, you can see the value in it, right? That's well, where I they, go, but I'm not like a fan like Corinne, right? Like I'm aware and wow, <laughs> you know, but what do you feel, Corinne, on that? The It's going to be taught by a literary critic named Stephanie Burt. And she talks about, uh, she really sells it. She says, we're going to learn how to think about illicit affairs and hoaxes and champagne problems, uh, you know, <laughs> and lots of stuff that is in Victorian literature and stuff yep, like that. So sure. she... You could compare it really to that. You think about the detail and you really, Swifties already pick apart her lyrics. Yeah. So, you know, you could take a course where you you already know a bunch of her lyrics and then say, oh yeah, Jane Austen did write something like this kind of thing. Who is on board with this? Like, I'm sure the critique uh, about Taylor Swift's courses being taught 
in universities are, it's just overwhelming, people's feedback, well, no? The cursory search online is mainly positive, okay. but you know, uh, the articles that I'm looking, I didn't go into a subreddit or anything like that. I just did a, a cursory search of the articles written on it. Uh, professors really like the idea that they can introduce other forms of literature through Taylor Swift. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a quote from author James Patterson, and he's like, you oh. know, uh, he went on Instagram and he said, hey there, Swifties, uh, should Taylor Swift be taught at Harvard? It seems to be the plan. Uh, and he says, so why not? Her career is stunning, an object lesson for success. And she's not only an amazing entertainer, she's a very smart business person. And he says, would I take the course? Well, I might audit it. <laughs> That's interesting, too, because yeah. of where he comes from and the, the development of scripts and stuff and working with so many different writers as, yeah. as James Patterson does. That's very fascinating. Yeah, I think it's just interesting mm -hmm. to think about it as a literary course and not a business course. Cause I, I think I so overwhelmingly feel that, yeah, Taylor's been killing it, it just as a business mogul, but uh, curious about what, how much you can get into about her writing versus oh, everything I think else. you can dive deep. It's only an hour course. I say that wouldn't be a must. No, that's this needs very to be a true. three hour weekly lecture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corinne's in. The, yeah, the amount she writes. I think that's what I thought. I thought it would be yeah. like an hour a week for, yeah. you know, a semester. Like, oh, oh, okay. Like I said, you can get a, your next BA in Taylor Swift if they start offering enough courses. Like you're minoring in Taylor Swift. Imagine getting a BA in a bunch of that stuff, right? <laughs> a bunch of different courses like this. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Minor, Thanks, double minor man. in BA and Beyonce. Yeah. Uh, Taylor I'd, Swift I'd like Beyonce. to put up my uh, pop culture degree if I could get one. Right? Exactly. Corinne, we'd give it to you. Honorary. Oh, thank thank you. you. I'd love it for the show bring you on and here's her phd in uh, entertainment oh phd look at that we even offer graduate studies wow i know you're nice. right on maybe you're right on be back in two weeks yeah sounds good okay corinne van dusen joins us for entertainment that's every other week opposite other entertainment talks we have with greg david that one specifically on tv on the other side of the break an interstellar tourism campaign is urging aliens to visit Lexington, Kentucky. Why in the, on earth would they want this? Well, Beth Deer, she joins us in a few moments to explain on The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya here on AMI-tv and on AMI-audio. So I'm going back to our Corinne conversation room, thinking about the business side of so many artists, whether they be musicians, actors, performers in any way, comics. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has that, you know, if you investigate, they have their business people to handle their affairs and stuff like that. But some have done really well. And, and again, outside of, you know, Taylor Swift, other others have been before where they have been basically a business machine. Outside of what they do in their talents, whether it's a comedy, a crossover acting, or a musician, but just the way they've, their people have known, they have known, this is what I want, this is what I want to do, outside of my career, including ownership of things, or where to say, no, I don't want to do that, that's not in my best interest, that is not a sound financial move. And some of that stuff, as you look back through the years, and people who you know, man, this to them, their, their talent was a business. 
and they saw it that way. Not just that person that said, I like to go out and get on a stage and perform because it's fun and I love it. Mm -hmm. yeah, there are those who are beyond that to a, to a point. Like, I'm not going to say they don't love what they do. I'm suggesting that, though, they're smart enough to say, yeah, I can't do this forever. And I want to play with other things, too. Well, we know because Taylor's been very transparent about it, right? Where she was like, I want to be the biggest in this very specific way. So she'll say, like, I want to outdo whoever, right? And, and um, you know, beat this person's record. And she would push that in whatever capacities she knew it needed to get there. And I think that yeah. she, like, that in itself is just, you know, huge for um, entrepreneurship, I guess, right? Yeah, but, well, I think I look at people like Oprah, like who have gone exactly, that way exactly. and other artists in, yeah. back in the 40s and 60s But it's not like so a on. secret and it's not a, wow, oh, like she's not. made it oh, here. No. It's, you know, with Taylor Swift specifically, she was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get there. I'm going to beat Prince's record or whatever. Uh, you know, I want to be the most grossed and not just for female artists, but for anyone out there ever. So things like that she would say and then back it up with the support that she needed to get there. But I... So it's, it I is definitely the, beyond talent. I love the uh, the attitude, though, of the business part of it, um, especially if they want to own other things, do other things, get into other areas yeah. and, and lines. Of the, I just find that kind of interesting when people do more and they kind of know what they're doing and they put their gold finger out there. Um, folks, we on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday welcome in Beth Deer, who's covering for Bill Shackleton while he's away. We call the segment The Buzz. Welcome, Beth. Hello, hello. I have to apologize. I did. Uh, what have are you full from lunch? From one of are you? From, no, are you I full had, from lunch. From my donuts, Kelly. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, you didn't but, eat enough. Rummy uh, and I would have taken care of that of dozen my dogs ourselves. Was just barking. Oh. oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, back to lunch. So they didn't bring that. you lunch. You had visitors that didn't bring lunch. They didn't bring lunch, but they bought six muffins, which were pretty good. I just had one of them like 20 minutes ago, 10 out of 10. And they did bring some donuts, which only one of the donuts was eaten. So Cody and I are going to oh. sit down tonight, watch TV. Oh, and yeah. It's very cryptic to say only one of the donuts were eaten. Like, who ate it? Yep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Jim Grisco. I see. And, and then Beth was yeah. smart enough just to keep them all talking so they couldn't finish the rest of them. Good for you. You're exactly. learning this team. And I did the like polite thing of being like, do you guys want to take these with you? Oh, no, that's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, you can just wow. leave them here. Yeah, I'm because it would be rude tomorrow. of you to say yes and try to take them, uh, John Melville or Kara. Or... Oh. Anyway, uh, you had a nice visitors <laughs> over there. Our good friend uh, Jim Crisco there as well. Sounds like a, a wonderful time. Where do you want to start, Beth? So let's start with what you teased, Kels. So first interstellar tourism campaign urges aliens to visit Lexington, Kentucky. Now, I'm going to be talking about something called Trappist-1, and it is a large batch of Earth-sized habitable zone planets that are 40 light years away. So um, this group, so I'll read you a message that, they said they sent. We included imagery representing the elements of life, our iconic Lexington rolling hills, which I don't know how iconic these hills are. This is the first time I've heard of them. Um, and the molecular structure of water, which that is pretty cool, uh, bourbon and even dopamine. Um, and then they said, because Lexington is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of made me laugh. But like bourbon sounds fun. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the elements of water is uh, something that super interests me at least. Um, 
Anyway, this was the message that was sent by a group of Kentucky scientists, linguists, and scholars. Recently, um, they have been trying to reach this Trappist-1, which lies 40 light years away, like I said, um, from Earth. And it has multiple potential for other planets. And I don't know. I don't want to say people like us, but... Life forms of some be, kind. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> Who want to come see the really, blue, really blue cool. what is it, the blue rolling hills of Kentucky? Because I think they have the bluegrass kind of thing there. <laughs> or grass that looks kind of blue, right? Or something. But yeah, There's I think like it's very there. country, country vibes yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, the team used modified <laughs> infrared laser to deliver a specialty coded message, which was approved by the U.S. Federal Administration. Uh, when the me when the message reaches its destination in 2063, which like that is so crazy. Like I, it like when when I was reading it and I was like 40 light years away. Like wow. I, I feel like. Um, I don't know. I just didn't necessarily understand that it was actually 40 light years away until I heard it wasn't going to get there until 2023. <laughs> right. um, Trappist-1 inha inhabitants uh, will find a coded bitmap image, which I actually don't know what that is, um, but it will have clues of its origin and uh, intent of transmission. They'll also wow. see um, photos of the horse capital of the world, obviously, Kentucky, uh, noting the wide open spaces, perfect for landing a spacecraft. Um, they'll learn why Lexington has the best food, bourbon, and music on Earth, getting a taste via an audio recording from legendary blues musician T.D. Young, which I actually, again, hadn't heard of T.D., but I did actually go and listen to some of their songs. And I'm actually, I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. Wow. For sure. It's interesting because you think, what will things be like if they ever were to come here and you just give them enough information about us? But yeah, that's not quite a roadmap how to get here, just in case you're hostile. But, you know, we just want you to know we are here. This is what we've got. This is some of the bonuses of our part of the world. And I know you chuckle. You say, like, whatever, right? Okay. But then again, if we're all putting these darn time capsules that we like to put together in school and everything we're throwing in, it's all from our community. This is our thing. It, it kind of still makes you smile when you think, well, we'll send this out there. And you never know. And let's believe there are other life forms, people who could find this. And it would be useful just as much as it would be to us if something showed up here. You'd say, what the mm -hmm. heck is this? And we would analyze it the same way we are thinking some other sentient life being will. Assuming that they're on a level that they can understand, right? What's... Well, they might be beyond. Yeah, yeah might just say, I know. Don't that was kind of garbage. my thought. What if they, they... <laughs> they might think it's cheap junk. Why is someone sending us their space garbage? Yeah, what if they're already, like, watching us do all this stuff and they're just kind of laughing don't in the background? Don't send it. No, don't. We oh, don't want gosh. that care package. We want those leftover donuts over there at the girl's house. Come it's, on. It's very, like, you know, <laughs> we're imagining somebody opening up this stuff and going, oh, wow. But what if it's, like, the complete opposite? They're already surveilling and they know that we're doing all this. We don't want think it's any cute. of that. Are you kidding? Send us exactly. a care package well, from, from London, cute. England. <laughs> Honestly, like, I just, <laughs> 2063, like, I mean, I really hope that I'm alive to see if anything comes of this message, but, like, still, like, if it's 40 light years away and say they try and then to send the return. message back, who knows? Yeah. yeah, like, the chances are there's, like, really not going to be anyone around, at least, who is necessarily, like, invested in this project. 
Oh, that's to, a fair uh, point, too. Receive well, and, and like, the world may be different. Lexington that. may no longer be the horse capital. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're going to land their spaceship and be like, oh, we're in the wrong place. There's no rolling. We're in the horse capital. Well, you better head that way. Australia's over there. You know, like it might be something else. Oh, that's that would great. be such a waste. Yeah. Such a waste. No, um, I wonder. I wonder if they down. sent any to other parts of the world trying to get tourists in. Like, forget it. That's too many light years away. Let's try somebody over there in in in, in Washington State. <laughs> yeah, let's try Washington State. See if, Michael, <laughs> see if Michael will come here and do his tech talk from here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Michael's Oregon. Sorry. We'll check back in forty years. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, check back in forty years when Kelly and Rami are still going strong. <laughs> Oh, man, maybe they sent audio from our show. Okay. All right. Uh, All right that, mark this planet off. Of this uh, we're not going there. Uh, we won't be going to that. Uh, let's talk about hostile messages. Uh, what's next, Beth? Okay. So next is a Calgary-bound flight diverted to Winnipeg. There was a teen arrested uh, mid-air assault and the RCMP picked them up. So the flight was originally going to uh, Toronto, um, but it was rerouted to Winnipeg when this alleged 16-year-old passenger on the plane assaulted who we now know to be a family member. Um, passengers and airline employees restrained the use following the attack, according to police. So the victim and, uh, and obviously the kid that assaulted them did get taken to hospital. Um, both of them were fine, like very minor injuries, but... One, how annoyed would you guys be if you were on a plane and it got rerouted because some 16-year-old, like, threw a tantrum? Um, Ridiculous. And two... Anyone like, that's ever flown with rum, yeah, they can answer that. Yeah, but, I, but usually it's not a rerouting <laughs> in the middle, middle no, of the sky. They, it's yeah, usually they're... before we take off and they kick me off the plane. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, seriously, like, how annoyed would you be? Like, you've spent all this money and then your plane gets rerouted because a 16-year-old for whatever reason, is upset with whoever they're traveling yeah. with. I would be absolutely livid. And I'm also just very curious to know, like, what relation is the person? Do you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. didn't elaborate yeah. on yeah. that. No, yeah. it didn't in that one, I know. Well, I mean, um, we hear it, so much more about this, like, adults, you know, drinking and getting rowdy on planes as well and then things going down. Like, I don't... I don't know how you vet these things or eliminate these problems altogether, but it is becoming so, so much of a regular. nuisance. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't, We're talking no, about again, this so, so guys, frequently now. Are you Every time me? I hear about anything we talk about frequently, I, I stop and wonder how much of that social media, the fact the world's so small and we hear it's about so, so sensationalized, so easy. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear about, I mean, I'm sure this mm -hmm. stuff, people freaked out on planes. People got drunk and stupid on airplanes when they were, you know, in the seventies and eighties and so on. Yeah. But you had to but crash the plane. Like, or cause a crash for anyone to hear anything. And even then, since you weren't on the plane and there was no, no media story coming out of someone doing it's almost inspiring, you know? Like, you hear these it stories is. and then you might be the next person. Oh, I think wow. I'll get that kind of attention. Exactly. I'll go and throw a fit on the plane. Which is ridiculous. I mean, it, again, we're just speculating here, but it is starting to yeah. feel so often than so frequent that we talk about these things. Uh, I just think the world's so small, we're hearing about all the stupid things people do that we used to not get mm -hmm. have to hear about all the time. Some of the and, stuff and the 16-year-olds so are doing are better than the things that the 40-year-olds are doing. Like, wow. I'd just rather hear about this stuff than, like, really, like, Than be a part of it. Stuff. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, like, and this, yes, is, this sure. is kind of mildly yep. entertaining. 
you know you're like yeah, yeah it could is be way yeah. but who's getting compensated <laughs> um, like i hope these passengers are getting compensated and then oh they will they'll get given dollars towards other tickets to fly again they better the same company thanks uh, beth the only silver lining thanks guys see you later uh, Beth, you're joining us, covering for Bill Shackleton. We call the segment The Buzz. We do it Wednesday through Friday at this time on the program. Coming up, folks, we get a chance to chat about the musical product, theatrical production of The Look of Love and a special described performance. Plus, J.J. Hunt is with us in a little while as we take an adventure to Malaysia to learn about the upcoming Tamil Hindu Festival of Thai Pusam. Up next, however, the CCB chapter of Toronto, The Visionaries, they're celebrating 10 years. Community reporter Stephen Ricci, he's here to tell us all about the birthday celebrations next month. Stay tuned. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We're launching hour two of the program. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate your time. Kelly and Ramya, and we're here weekdays at 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv across Canada. Around the world on AMI-audio, you can find us at 4 p.m. Eastern, midnight Eastern Time, or excuse me, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. They create new times for the show, folks. Ah, it's happened before. Uh, you can find us at 10 p.m. Eastern on both networks for our first repeat as we settle back in and bring so much to you as we do daily on the program. We are getting into a community report because Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, that's what we do to kick off the second hour. And today we're sticking close to Toronto, talking to Stephen Ricci about what's been going on around here and what's to come as well for the community. Stephen, how's it going? Uh, you know, we always talk about the weather uh -huh. and, and uh, certainly uh, it's been on our minds. I went and walked my dog this morning and I guess it was wind chills of minus 24, which we're not really accustomed to here in the, in the big six, you know, as they call it. Yeah, right? It's cold. Like, listen, was it's actually cold. <laughs> no, it wasn't so bad. He wanted to go. Yeah. Have you gotten any ice yet? Some scary yeah. ice situations? Yeah, in his drinks while he's watching football. Hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to spill your drinks, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm my really... team is was eliminated on Saturday, so we won't even talk about football. Good, then we and can end the sports chat that, right nice here. Perfect. Uh, so continue continue with your question to him about ice. Are you no, talking about I'm, I'm walking? talking really like, you know, do you feel Flippery. that the sidewalks and things are um, uh, yeah. assaulted enough? Because I've run into a lot a of situations situation, where it's right? not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. we call it African American. American ice. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I slipped on some ice uh, a couple of years ago, twice. And if I didn't Yikes. have a backpack on, I, I would have really hurt myself. I'm telling you. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know what? It, it's it's a, uh, a going concern. I know that uh, my wife has the speed dial on to, to complain about, uh, you know, people that don't uh, shovel their walkways. Uh -huh. Cause it is pretty easy if you do it right away. It once the the walkways get walked on and you know because you know sometimes i think that that salt isn't quite the answer i think just clearing the way properly is 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 the way to go you know sure sometimes salt but when it gets this cold sometimes salt doesn't even work doesn't that's why at west yep. they just use sand right and also like we talk about cane tips and potentially transitioning cane tips for this weather versus the summer and all that stuff so um i do get curious about how other people are faring 
Yeah, other blind yeah I, I was. I had a tour of Akutech a bunch of years ago out in Winnipeg, and you know they know winter. Mm. <laughs> there, they only have three seasons, so um, you know, as as you know, uh, uh, winter mosquito in construction. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, here we are talking about Toronto, and I just overheard you because I was in the green room and I heard you talking about air travel and and things that can happen in the in the friendly skies. Do you guys remember Ward Air? Uh, oh God! Yeah, yes. I remember. I remember as a kid going on a trip. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, did they have any the bad planes. reputation as well? But okay. Well, no, but my point is that you know they they were a, a charter, and and as soon as you got on the plane, you got a champagne and orange juice, no matter what time of day it was, and it was free booze, you know, from from gate to gate, so to speak, and and you know. Uh, yeah, people may have got a little rowdy, but I think that uh, you know those were different days. I, you, you, Kelly, you alluded okay. to you know the, nothing. You know, I think behaviors change. The world has changed, but you know, back in those days, back in those was, days, we all drank, bar. so nobody was as bothered. Whereas now, it's like yeah, one yeah, guy's yeah, drunk yeah. and the rest of us didn't get enough booze to deal with it. So, <laughs> how to behave. <laughs> so Steven, I guess we better get on with the community. I was report. gonna say, tell us about. Well, you don't need to tell us, but tell the people about the uh, tour that the CCB, the Canadian Council of the Blind Toronto Visionaries chapter, is doing of our facilities. AMI. Yeah, so, uh, you know, yesterday there was a tour and then there's going to be another tour on Friday when I added this event to uh, to my report and submitted it. The next day I got an email from CCB, basically, or Toronto Visionary, saying it was full. So very popular. Expect a, a big crowd on Friday because uh, the Friday uh, event, uh, unfortunately, is sold out. So hopefully uh, if you were able to register and, and get in on that uh I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, I've been for uh, a few different tours and I've actually, um, you know, been to some events at your studios and I know that there's been some changes recently and that's one of the reasons for this tour, but it really does get you to, to see all of the things that go into making all of your shows and, and, and everything and, and, you know, seeing the, uh, you know, that, that sort of inside edge, which is pretty cool, you know, to be able to come to the studios and get a tour. So, um, it is uh, the, 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 the second tour that's being held is this Friday. Uh, unfortunately, it, it did get sold out in between when I submitted my report and and uh, and the other day. So, um, you know, it it's, uh, sounds like a pretty, pretty cool tour. So I, I'm you know, hopefully it will happen again if it was that popular. Maybe in a warmer hopefully week. A, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully there's a standby list because maybe that some people get in on that. Um, we were speaking of yesterday's tour, uh, which, you know, the numbers were a little lower. So people should have tried the, the Tuesday. They would have had better luck. But everybody here seemed to enjoy it and said that folks were very interested yeah. in the control room setup, which, of course, is our, our most brand new area. Um, that's kind of impressive, right, Ramya? It is really you know, impressive. Oh, the, we'll the control room area. Were, were you there yesterday, Steve? No, I wasn't. But I, you know, okay. I was there. I um, not too long ago. Um, so, um, you know, I've I've sort of got a little personalized tour. I have a, a couple of friends oh. that work at AMI. Believe it or not. Yeah. Well, oh, I was geez, told that we were going to get a lot of um, selfies with the KR setup, but for somehow it worked out that it was now with Dave Brown set. So. Hmm. Gonna have to talk to somebody about that for Friday. You'll have to speak yeah, to yeah, your yeah. friends over there and sort that yeah, out. Yeah, what happened here? Sure. I, I wasn't yeah, here, you know, so I don't know what happened. Switching but... the set quicker. My gosh, yeah, make the yeah. tour at eleven forty. Can't happen on Friday, like right? Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Let's talk about another uh, CCB kind of cool thing going on because the visionaries are celebrating their birthday. Want to fill us in on this stuff? This sounds yeah, cool sure. A decade. It doesn't. It just seems like yesterday. Just wow. like this show. It just seems like it just keeps on going. <laughs> I feel like I just finished a a segment and and here I am again. But yeah, ten years that the Toronto Visionaries have been doing so many amazing things in the GTA and elsewhere. Um, you know, this is a, a chapter of the CCB, and you know, so many great. Uh, events and programs between their their wow experience and i don't want to let too much out of the bag but we're you know ccb toronto visionaries will be hosting uh the wow experience uh uh event at the at the Jewish Community Center uh, in May. So we'll look forward to my report on that down the road. But today we're talking about the 10th year anniversary and, and birthday party. And apparently um, there's cake. A lot of cake. Ah, so ah, that's the most um, important. The, Good. So the the event is is you know it's a little bit in the future. It's it's uh, Saturday, March the twenty third, and it's going to be at a a, a pretty pretty regular haunt for our community in Toronto, the Hot House, uh, which is right at the corner of Front and Church. And it's a five p.m. Doors open. There's a set menu. Oh, did I mention there's cake? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mention it again, though, just oh, in case. Oh, and yeah, by the way, Steve, my understanding is there's cake. Yeah, there is There is cake and uh, <laughs> lots of it, and it's $50, um, you know, so so come on out, and, and I think it, it would be a great opportunity to catch up with friends. It's been a while, and, and celebrate, you know, all the accomplishments that, you know, Ian White and, and the rest of the Toronto Visionaries have brought to our community in, in many different ways, from GTT to you know, all the different events that, that, that go on on a, on a daily and weekly basis. So uh, let's celebrate. And, uh, you know, for $50, um, you can bring anyone you want. You don't have to be a member uh, to, to participate in this, and it'll be a fun evening of uh, celebration. Fantastic. And there's uh, cake. <laughs> so there's and one there's more thing we want to talk about before we let you go. And we're going to talk, or hang out with a guest who will tell us more about it later on in the show, actually. Okay, good. Uh, but, but Steve is the warm-up now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm the warm-up. I just yeah. like Burke Bacharach. Yeah, Reminds exactly. me of Austin Powers, baby. <laughs> so it's an audio-described performance. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. He yeah. was in the, the, the Austin Powers movies, you know? Um, I yes, actually forgot so, he was, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, this is this Friday. Um, it's called The Look the, of Love. The Look of Love. At, at You know, this venue has had so many different names. I I still think of it as the O'Keefe Center. So basically we're talking about, it's now called, the, what, the Meridian Hall, um, which is uh, the O'Keefe Center, and it's had a few different uh, names of this venue, but still a great location uh, right at the at the foot of Young Street at Front. And um, there are uh, still tickets available, and uh, you are able to bring a support person for free if you uh, if you qualify as you know, if you have like a I guess a CNIB card or whatever. And uh, you know on on the eight o'clock show on Friday, there's going to be um, a video description, so you can pick up uh, you can register and, and grab a uh, a little device, and and uh, you can have this performance uh, audio described for you or. Uh, what's the word? If it's live, it's not video described, right? Live, it's described, just live, man. yeah, live audio. Live described. Live described. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So I, I was pretty much on. Uh, so <laughs> it sounds pretty cool. They're, they're going to have, uh, you know, it's a celebration of, of uh, 
you know, Burt Bacharach's uh, music. I think there's mm-hmm. going to be over a dozen of his songs. And uh, yeah, you're going to learn more about it from someone that really knows uh, later in the show. So yeah, I'm just a warm up band. <laughs> That's what it's like. You gave us the tease just to a couple right. of minutes That's and just right. got people saying, oh, sounds good. I'll yeah, listen to the it, knowledgeable one Friday. later. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's this awesome. Friday. Yeah, because I'm just winging it over here, you know. Clearly. It was easier for oh. me. It was easier for me when I wasn't on television, when I wasn't on camera, because I could have all my notes everywhere, and I, I wasn't just sort of sitting here like a duck. Well, we just wing it every day too. Uh, oh, please, please, you guys are Joe Pro. Yeah. Well, we'll just uh, you know, we'll just leave that yeah. as a mystery. Just take the compliment, right? That's part of the behind scenes. The tour will show Friday. Steven, <laughs> thank you. The APM is how you described, and uh, uh, keep warm, and uh, all right. I'll uh, see you next month. Cool. Good luck to all the sports stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. His, his okay. team's out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm done. I forgot I'm what he got to me. To be honest, now he's yeah. going to go and start cheering on another team that'll be out. Steven Ricci nope. joins us for our community report today, and that was for Toronto, but we do cover different regions around the country, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays to kick off the second hour of the show. Make note, folks, once again, I tried to get us out of the sports conversation. However, Amuthan and Steve carried it on. Anyway, coming up in a moment, me. JJ Hunt joins us as we take an adventure to Malaysia to learn about the Tamil Hindu festival of Thai Pusum after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Thanks for being with us. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. Ramya is at our studio in Toronto, settling in as we work our way through this edition of Kelly and Ramya. Uh, We love uh, once a month to get a chance to talk a little bit about travel and providing us a lot of description to make us sit back and just imagine we're there and to get those pictures painted. We welcome audio describer JJ Hunt now to talk travel. Hello, Kelly. How's it going? Good, good. So far, JJ, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. You know, yeah, uh, chugging along into the new year, ever well, slowly. Yeah, the best to you. We were, of course, talking oh, about yeah. how long are we supposed to say Happy New Year and, and all that. And then our monthly contributors come in like third, fourth week of Jan. And we're like, right, we haven't actually <laughs> spoken to you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's so been officially like a Happy New Year, but, you know, even yeah. though it's a little late. It's good so context, too, that we start off with the New Year stuff for today's convo. And here's the... Uh, Here's the deal, JJ. We always find when we get to the end of your segment, we're like, oh, like those kids, you know, like it's over now. Come on. (laughs) Today we're traveling to Malaysia with you to learn about the Tamil Hindu festival of Taipusam. We want to also tell people that we will be putting up some images that you'll give us some description on. And some of them are a little harsh, if you want to call it that, or maybe a little too descriptive and may may disturb some of the viewers out there. You'll get into explanation on some of that as we, we go through this um can you first of all describe the festival to us yeah so you're right some of these images are a little bit 
extreme. And uh, I'll start off by just kind of laying down how I stumbled into this festival. It, it was like 1997. I was backpacking with a girlfriend and we had just arrived on the Malaysian island of Penang. The city of Georgetown, the capital city, was bustling and it was so full that we had trouble finding a place to stay. But we eventually got a couple of beds in a hostel. We started asking around, why is it so busy? What's going on? And remember, this is like this is before cell phones and easy internet access. Right. So the way yes. you found out was by asking around. And we we got some indication that there was a festival underway. The details were sketchy, but people said there's going to be an element of spectacle to the celebration. So mm. you should start exploring early in the morning with your cameras at the ready. So that's what we did. We got up early. We went outside and and there was a lot of activity in the local temples, not the big fancy temples yet, but the local temples. So, you know, as travelers, we wanted to be respectful. So we kind of hovered around outside one of the temples until someone invited us in. And inside the temple, um, it was really dark, dark with uh, with incense smoke, cloudy, oh. and everyone was chanting. And they were focused on something going on at the front of the space, the front of the temple. We were standing at the back of the room by the doors, hardly able to see any anything through the crowd and the smoke. The chanting grew more intense. There were some bursts of white powder, and then the crowd mm. parted. And a few young men who had been the focus of everyone's attention at the front of the temple, they walked toward the doors. They walked toward us. These were bare-chested men, young men, wearing short yellow and red sarongs. They had stoic, almost glassy expressions on their faces. It, it was clear that each one of these men was in a trance. And they had what looked like long metal skewers piercing both cheeks that extended right through their mouths, in some cases actually clipping their tongues. And the skewers extended out past their shoulders on either sides. Oh, and they man. had dozens of tiny silver pots hanging off of their bare chests. And then when they walked past us, we found that they had hooks embedded in their backs. Mm -hmm. And each one of these hooks was attached to a taut rope. And they were pulling people who were walking behind them. Without any plan, without any forethought, we had arrived on Penang on the full moon in the 10th month of the Hindu calendar. We had stumbled into the, the, the Tamil Hindu festival of Taipusam, which was an extraordinary celebration, the likes of which I had never experienced before. And I have to say, I haven't seen anything like it since. Wow. Yeah. That takes you back. Yeah. There's a Ooh. lot of physical detail and I think spectacle was a great first word for the description um yeah. you experienced this in the 90s right JJ yeah 1997 and 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 again at the time we just had to wander around in this picking up the visuals watching what was going on we didn't have language to to ask too many you know uh, questions we didn't have easy we couldn't easily research so i didn't know anything about the actual festival then i've since learned a little bit about it are either of you guys familiar with taipusam is this a festival that you've encountered before yes and i was raised hindu so there is a lot of context that i'm familiar with at least with flashback of um some of the the stuff that you're describing you know like having experienced it by witnessing it in person however yeah. the intention slash story slash religious aspects of uh these rituals i'm not super familiar with 
Yeah, I, I, I've, I've picked up a little bit since then. And of course, the, the, the Tamil community is spread all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Sri Lanka, Malaysia, South Africa, Saudi Arabia, the Caribbean. And so the festival is celebrated a little bit differently in every place. And right. so the way I got to experience it was very, it was very Malaysian circa 1997 my understanding it's the it's a it's a tribute to lord uh, murugan the hindu god of war and as a tribute devotees carry objects to a to a shrine they they carry them as as penance or maybe as an offering perhaps seeking blessings or making vows um and the other way it works is devotees deprive themselves of sleep and food uh they get worked up into a trance using prayer, and then you get pierced as an act of sacrifice, and then you carry your burden through town barefoot. Uh, and these burdens are called uh, kavadi, often a silver pot of milk or holy water. The pot looks like a like a like a pot with a lid and a handle on it. And they range in size from like tiny that would fit in the palm of your hand to a you know a great big serving pot. And uh, men and women carry the pots, but my understanding is it's mostly men who do the piercing mm. in the in that kind of sacrifice. Um, but these days, the kavadi, these burdens are. Uh, are, are can become extraordinary. Sometimes they are silver arches. Um, uh, sometimes the arches are made of bamboo. They get decorated with flowers and peacock feathers and tassels. And they're often carried on the shoulders. Often you even make an, an altar. And the altar um, will carry an image of Murgan. And, and sometimes these days they're decorated with LED lights. And they get so extreme. They almost look like, like carnival costumes. Caribbean mm -hmm. carnival right, costumes, right. but mm -hmm. they get attached to the person's body right. in intentionally uncomfortable and even painful ways. So support pegs will actually poke into the torso or parts of the of of this burden will loop down onto your body and, and hook into your back and chest um, with the intention of 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 carrying a burden and and sacrificing as part of the as part of the festival and so and that's what we did all day long that. was just watch wow. this uh, it was it was yeah it was really quite extraordinary the acts of of devotion the acts of sacrifice mm -hmm. that that people made were um were stunning they yeah. were just yeah. stunning well, it's very intense, and I'm curious about how you felt. Like you described walking into the temple, waiting to, to be admitted, if you will, welcomed in, um, and then uh, kind of following this parade, if you will, um, yeah. to, to an extent around the, the neighborhoods or the town, uh, starting from that location. And the crowds are always massive with these kind of uh, yeah. festivals, JJ. So what was it like for you in terms of energy and vibe? Like how serious or how celebratory or was there a shift in energy at a certain point? Oh, yeah. Uh, great questions. And and absolutely all of it. So mm -hmm. we started by following these like our little our little local temple, that group of devotees made their way out into the streets. And you could tell all over town, 
different groups of people were leaving different temples in very much the same way, with a handful of devotees and the rest of the people from their uh, from their group, their followers, people who are literally holding the ropes behind them. And then they would meet into, you know, it, it, they would converge, and, and these groups formed essentially, like you say, a parade, um, walking down the main streets. And and that's when you would you you got a sense of just how many people were participating in this thousands tens oh, yeah. of thousands of people participating and people with with like i said the 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 pots on hooks hanging off their chests the 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 hooks hanging uh, you know on ropes on their backs and you mm, could yeah. really see all of the individuals you could watch facial expressions and uh and and you could see that trance wear off throughout the day. So at the beginning of the day, it was people in that moment locked in. And then as the day went on and people paraded through town and eventually making their way to the final shrine, the trance starts to wear off. And the final shrine is at the top of a hill, temple at the top of a hill, over 500 steps, which is the equivalent of climbing a 35-story building, incredibly tall. And you're literally, remember, pulling another human being right. who is linked to your back. And so we walked halfway up to the uh, to the shrine at the top. We got tired and stopped and took a break. It's really it's hot, it's exhausting. And so we're standing and at the side. And they're hungry too, right? And dehydrated. They're dehydrated. That's right. Of yeah. dehydr of a fluid. That's right. And, and wow. Oh, and people man. have not eaten. They have intentionally gotten themselves. And so we're standing at the side of the stairs as the as the uh, devotees are walking up. And this one guy, you know, most people were were pretty spent at that point. But this one guy who had the you know the skewer through his mouth, he had the he had the the hooks in his back. He glances at my at my girlfriend, and he he kind of you know puffs out his chest a little bit. He raises his uh, his chin, and he kind of gives her a "How you doing?" <laughs> nod. And we're like, what? But this is incredible. I could we just couldn't believe it. But like That's this, why yeah. it came out of the trends. She pulled exactly. it out. Exactly. Wow. Um, JJ, I'm really curious of something. When we talk with you, especially when you have the B-rolls and stuff like that for us to show people some of the things you're talking about, you obviously take the pictures. And in a situation like this, was there that concern? Taking any pictures of sensitivity, of, of, of yeah. sensitivity of a fan. What I know you at the top preface it kind of a little bit with what you talk to people about once you learned what kind of what what is this what's going. Yeah. Um, tell us about managing that kind of situation, especially uh, in this case. Yes, such a good question and a really important point. Um, so I've got no photos, took no photos when we were in Temple at the beginning. Right. Um, we'd been invited in and we stood as, as respectfully as we could at the back of the room um, and didn't take any pictures. Nor did we go into the shrine at the at the top of the at the top of the hill. We just didn't go. That wasn't a place for us. Um, in town, when people are walking around on the streets, there were lots of people snapping pictures. It wasn't quite celebratory, but it was um, it was big and loud, and uh, there was music, and uh, there were colors, and 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 it seemed an appropriate place. So we would often like hold up a camera. There's an international sign of like holding up your camera and smiling and nodding, mm. and then if you get a nod and smile back, you can take right. a picture. That's how you can do that without ah. language. Um, it's, uh, these days, honestly, again, that was 97. My camera, you know, was the size of a bread box on my chest. Right. It's huge. Yeah, it wouldn't get missed. Uh, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> these days with cell phones, it's actually even more the case that everyone 
expects to have their picture taken at any given moment. Yeah. Um, and so, and some people push that really far. I'm still, I still try and be careful. I would never put my fo- my camera phone, my phone in someone's face someone's and just face. snap a picture without asking. But it's important, especially in a moment like this, especially when it's a, a, a cultural celebration, a religious yes. festival, you have to be aware and, and, and read the room, as they say. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, JJ, what else did you guys see? Uh, well, at the end of all of that, people finally make their way back down uh, the, the the hill. Uh, folks are allowed to eat. They've had the, the, the skewers removed, the hooks removed. So, of course, at the end of it, there's a food festival. <laughs> so everyone makes their way down to the, uh, the, the, the base of the temple. There are, um, there are food carts and food stands and all of the most amazing food, the chicken Good satays. grief, I'd be worried and... about whatever I ate falling out if I had a skewer in my cheek. <laughs> oh, I'd I put know. things in it and fall out the sides. <laughs> I was thinking, what a choice of words as well. Well, hold on, did oh. you say chicken? There's meat. Oh yeah, the chicken <gasps> satay. So at this point, the meat comes back into it. So the vegetarian cuisine that was eaten before, or or the uh, you know abstaining from food altogether, mm. all that seemed to be done, and it was down. It was like party time. So people making pulled tea, the tea that gets literally pulled through the air and poured from one cup to another. So fun. As it, Oh, it's creamy and frothy and greasy, delicious roti canai, uh, like papery thin paratha served with golden curries and oh, the chicken satay. I mean, we just ate like, and we didn't say anything. We were so stunned about the, like, I don't think we spoke for three days after that. We were just yeah, trying yeah. to process what was What's going that? on? Yeah. yeah, it was it was just an extraordinary event. It's interesting, JJ, because you went through the entirety of it, right? Like you're talking yes. from yeah. morning, 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 like dusk till dawn. Yeah. Whereas when you asked me initially, like how much exposure do you have to this? Uh, I think eh, bits and pieces, right? Like a lot of the times you're just getting the the trickle effect, the celebratory yeah. part of it. You're not necessarily spending your day with the devotional side or the crew of, you know, the people who are really sacrificing and, and taking part in all these very formal and uh, intense rituals. You're just kind of hanging out and waiting for the food. Yeah, that's right. And, and you're absolutely right. We got to ex- experience it from morning till night, from the, from the beginning of the of of working yourself into yes. the this moment, mm-hmm. right through the point of 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 pure celebration and yeah. fun and food sharing, and that's how our learning was done. We didn't we didn't have a, a moment in there where we could run off to the library and look mm. up what was happening. We were. F- Figuring it out and trying to yeah. Yeah. and trying to figure our route through town and where we're going to eat and what we should take pictures of. We were figuring it out um, uh, all day and long on the which fly. Is uh, and, and so yeah. riveting, right? You were so riveted to the whole thing. And you yeah. do um, forget. And we don't have that. Ex- we don't have that option anymore. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. You have a question. You just hold up your phone and say Siri, and then right. the answer appears. And uh, also, like yeah. they they don't. You don't always get the the depth of it, right? Like here, a lot of people still understand the day, understand that, uh, oh yeah, this is a day for sacrifice, for celebration, but you only get that snippet of what you would get if you were in one of these countries and areas where people are really doing it all. And they do it differently, like you said, in other places. Yeah, and and, and figuring it out as you go, learning as you go, and, and truly stumbling upon it in the first place that would be hard to do these days we had no idea that this was about to happen um and and you can only have those moments of discovery frankly when you're 
when your phone's turned off, when you're not yeah. constantly dialed in uh, and you can just let 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 the day unfold and let the let the world come to you a little bit. And you feel much more a part of it. No matter what, as oh, a yeah. bystander, a viewer, you're a part of Sometimes it. Sometimes you can't take your eyes off it. I would imagine yeah. being so riveted, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, usual, it was a serious experience. Mm. My friend, as usual, we are out of time. Always love it. Um, and, and those pictures you shared, those who could see them, the ones you painted for us, always a blessing. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. We'll see you again soon. Join our travel chats that we have with JJ Hunt on the third Wednesday of the month right here on Kelly and Ramya. Uh, folks, time for us to learn about the musical theatrical production of The Look of Love. We heard Steve talk about it a little while ago and the special described performance that they've got for us. Stand by. We'll get into that in two minutes. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. This week on the program on AMI-audio, in the first of a three-part series on accessible fashion, Joita speaks to Izzy Camilleri, the founder of Is Adaptive, a clothing brand that provides accessible fashions for people with disabilities. That's the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time over on AMI-audio, also available by your on your favorite podcast platform and over on YouTube. Check them out. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Luthan. We're going to talk about that performance we said we're going to get to later on in the show at the end of our community report. Uh, Nathan Sartori is a program and accessibility coordinator for TO Live, an organization that does a lot of great work in Toronto. And we're talking about the musical theatrical performance or production of The Look of Love. This is um, includes an audio-described performance at Meridian Hall in Toronto. That's this Friday, the 19th of January at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So we thought we'd do a quick shout-out before the performance gets sold out. You can get your tickets as well, and we'll talk to Nathan about what the production is all about. Nathan, nice to have you back on. Hey, thanks so much, Ramia and Kelly. How are you? Doing really Good. well. We're great, and looking oh, forward to chatting about this. Year. And happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the look of love. What exactly it th is this? Because uh, it's an interesting description, right? Absolutely, yeah. So musical. It's theatrical. It's dance. It's music. Mm. Uh, it's being brought to us by Mark Morris Dance Group uh, from New York City. And it is a piece of beautiful contemporary choreography set to Burt Bacharach music. Uh, of course, we lost Burt Bacharach, the incredible composer, uh, just last year in 2023. And now this brand new piece from Mark Morris, who is a legendary American choreographer, is set to live music uh, of Burt Bacharach's. So we have an incredible live ensemble, an amazing singer uh, with backup vocalists and 10 dancers who are performing uh, beautiful choreography uh, to this iconic and legendary music. It's amazing when you talk Burt Bacharach and, and how many people you could play songs and they say, who's that? Who who wrote that? Or well, And we just have no idea sometimes. The, the, somebody of this pedigree, uh, Nathan, there's just so much attributed, so much influence all over music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Burt Bacharach was a 
legend for over 70 years of amazing music. And, and just like you mentioned, there's so many songs that we just, everyone knows, but doesn't know that Burt Bacharach wrote them. So when uh, we lost him last year, it was a really, a really tragic and, and big loss for the music community, but he's left such an incredible, uh, uh, a directory of music oh. behind and it's, it's yeah. so great that mark morris i was able to use this music and and use it as inspiration to choreograph this beautiful piece well and that's got to be the toughest part for mark morris because there's so much out there to choose from again i'm sure if you sat down what's your process with it you know okay i'm certainly sure it makes sense but yeah um this is such a, a herculean um you know job to do yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, Mark Morris has has taken on some really big names, such as the Beatles when he was last here yes, in 2018. Yeah. Um, so he's used to live music. He's used to using music as inspiration. And we're talking about big names. So this isn't new to Mark Morris at all. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a great tribute. And we're really excited to to bring the company here to Toronto. Well, the project itself sounds really interesting because of the the different elements that we're seeing are involved in the production. So tell us more mm. about exactly what it is, and then we'll get into the audio description side of it as well. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we have 10 dancers. It's a beautiful piece, uh, very contemporary, classic Mark Morris choreography. So anyone who's witnessed Mark Morris before, uh, you're in for the usual treat of beautiful work. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we have a live ensemble. So there's a small ensemble of, I believe it's seven or eight musicians. We have a vocalist, Marcy Harriel, who has been on Broadway before in production, such as In the Heights and Rent, incredible voice. And she comes with a couple of backing vocalists. You, of course, have trumpet, because you can't have Brooke Backrack without trumpet. <laughs> so you have 60 minutes of incredible dance performed to live music. Um, so it's it's bound to be a fantastic show. Now, for people who aren't familiar with the kind of choreography we're talking about um, or the kind of work, um, you said it's typical for Mark Morris. So can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, Put you for on the folks spot here. The, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, for folks, uh, you know, in, in the dance community, Mark Morris is a really an important figure of the 20, 20th century. And of course, as we continue into the 21st century, but especially like in the 80s and 90s in New York City, for modern dance specifically, Mark Morris is such an integral part of uh, musicality and dance, taking these lyrics, taking this musicality, taking this rhythm and embodying that in a beautiful, meaningful and powerful way. It's emotional. Uh, you can't help but just lean into this beautiful choreography. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and Mark Morris, the thing about it too is how long was this a seed in the mind of Mark Morris to do something to honor Burt Bacharach, you know, long before his death, even like he just, you yeah. think of all these different artists that are out there and, you know, we think, oh my goodness, he passed away. Wow. How quick did this come together? And you know, that's not even remotely. So it's that vision all through life. Wow. We could do this. I could do that. Wow. Um, tell us a little bit about that accessible performance on Friday and how, What's the key to describing this for us, for those of us needing live description? 
Of course. So, of course, we're bringing back the legendary Rebecca Singh, audio mm-hmm. describer extraordinaire, uh, who we love to work with at TO Live. And for folks who uh, uh, visit the arts in Toronto, you're probably familiar with Rebecca's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got a hefty task in front of her as there's only one performance of The Look of Love. So usually Rebecca has a couple of shows. She can watch the show. She can take that time to really Uh, formulate that script so she can provide a brilliant description but I don't have more than one show for her to come and see and that show is the one she's describing so uh, Rebecca's got a big job ahead of her but it's Rebecca so we know she's going to do an incredible job she'll be describing not only uh, the dance itself but the space the theater the dancers uh, the musicians as well uh, what the audience is doing how they're interacting and engaging with the show um it's going to be a great time. And, and Rebecca is always bound to to offer us an incredible description. Has she made it to rehearsals and such, Nathan? So Mark Moore's dance group arrives here in Toronto ah! tomorrow. Oh, Thursday, this is literally our on Friday. So one and only. she's going to hop to a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, she'll be at a rehearsal on Friday afternoon, Friday. Rebecca. Okay. She'll have a couple Make hours notes. to see the dancers yep. in the space. Thankfully, she's had a very good video, and the incredible oh, Mark Morris dance group has provided lots of resources for Rebecca. So she's not going to be improvising or anything, but mm-hmm. uh, um, it's it's certainly a tough job, and, and Rebecca does it so well. And she really could do it and improvise. Like, she's oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha. The thing is, with dance especially, um, there's so much nuance to description, yeah. right? Like, we've had lots of uh, feedback sessions in the community, small and large, to talk about, like, what dance description means to us. How can we make it better? Is it the same for everybody? Obviously not. Um, and, you know, what the choices that the describers have to make from one performance to another to describe movement, to describe uh, the understanding of dance, maybe like we're, we're talking style and mm-hmm. genre, if that's the, the way to say it. But also, um, you know, are you are you telling me what I'm doing with my arm or are you telling me that this is the flow of the movement, not necessarily the the actual act and the action, right? Yeah. So there's so much to just the discussion around describing dance, Nathan, that that's half of the work cut out for Rebecca. Totally, yeah. I mean, as, as you said, like, it's not only about the specific movements and physicality, but mm-hmm. also um, what's being portrayed, the emotions that mm-hmm. the dancers yep. are telling, the story of the movement itself. Uh, so it's it's a hard job, and and not to a say lot, a lot to do with word choice, isn't it, Nathan? Because yeah. you you've got to economize your words. You've got to pick the right moments to end a way of being able to plant that description, especially in someone who who head who's never seen. You know, that's the magic mm-hmm. of that description. Um, and and what is it? As we always say, well, what's more important, especially when you have multiple things going on during a dance performance at any given moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, with this one, since there's a live singer, there's that much shorter amount of time for them, for Rebecca to uh, be able to provide that to get description. In there. So you really need to be selective on what she's going to be describing for you on Friday. It's lovely, wow, though, because there's so much dimension to this production. There's live yeah. musicians, there's the vocal, there's the... the um, the interaction with the audience and all of this great legacy behind the work as well and when coming into that with that intention. Uh, but you're right in terms of, I, I always think for, for describers how all over the place it can be because 
you're basically trying to bridge the gap between what's happening visually and what the, the person who is blind or low vision is taking in. And in that conversation, you wonder who's being left behind or do people feel left behind as I describe this and in what ways, right? So with dance, there's a lot of that questioning of does this person understand dance already or have they had experience seeing visually seeing dance before uh, this performance what are they coming in with what aren't they coming in with um i love taking part in in that side of things yeah that's such a good point i mean everyone's coming to this with a different background and understanding of dance as a genre as an art form and so um you know it's it's really picking those words, as you said, Kelly, um, the words that we're going to share that everyone needs to be able to understand, not only those who are familiar with dance Mm -hmm. uh, more intensely. So um, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful show. I'm really excited. And you you have people, Nathan, who are in there for literally will want to hear that singer, want to enjoy that. Some will want the total description because their view is, I've listened to enough of that wonderful music that is great, but I want to know what you've done, what magic you've created to complement this music. And I think that having the option, I mean, yeah, obviously can someone can always pull their head, you know, headsets out and and just listen. Someone can at those moments and say, I wonder what they're doing and have that. Nathan, you want to give us an idea where people can find a little more information about the accessibility and anything else about the show we should know? Yeah, I mean, you can find out more uh, about the show and and how to book your tickets at tolive.com. That's T-O-L-I-V-E.com. You can also reach out to me. My email is all over that website, so don't uh, be afraid to reach out and I can assist you with anything specifically. Uh, It's this Friday, January 19th at 8 p.m. at Meridian Hall, right downtown Toronto at Young and Front Streets. Cool. And of course, we'll keep in touch with you because you're always giving us about uh, details about great things to come in terms of audio described performances and what TO Live's been up to. So appreciate it. And what a commitment you guys have made for uh, this like one show and you're making sure to be inclusive as Mm -hmm. usual. Mm -hmm. You got it. Always. Thanks, Nathan. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. We were speaking with Nathan Nathan Sartori of TO Live and we're talking about this exciting audio described performance of the look of love the production is this friday at meridian hall in toronto as he said 8 p.m eastern time get your tickets go to to live's website to find out more that's it oh what a salute to burt Bacharach, the late burt Bacharach, and uh, so much of the fantastic music and we kind of had two previews we had a little preview from steve that kind of like cole's notes one and then all the details from nathan Folks, we step aside for a couple of moments. When we return on the program, we'll wrap up the show, tell you a little bit about what's coming up on our program tomorrow. We'll check in with the gang over there at Now with Dave Brown and see what's on their show first thing in the morning on AMI-tv. And we'll talk our closing moment and some interesting activities. Anyone want some pizza in a bag? There's some that don't. Learn about them after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Appreciate you arriving back here with us for the ending of the program because we've always, always got lots of business for you. Kelly and Rumya here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you can't be here uh, to watch us on AMI-tv, check us out on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern uh, or one of the repeats, first one 
on both networks at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. But of course, you can subscribe to the podcast, download it, listen to the audio vanity card. Today, Ramya uh, handled our audio vanity card. Uh, great. Talking a little bit about how we have given up, Ramya. I'm teasing it here. Given up so much of our... We're killing our brains. Remember. Our brains bother are gone. to remember. Bother to use yeah. our brain. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes, all that technology. I scare myself. Our yeah. best friend and worst enemy. Anyway, uh, you can check out the Audio Vanity Card by listening to the full version of the podcast right there. It's on the end of it. Or you can listen to the show in segment form. Please feel free also to give us a rating and review. Um, yeah, tell us what the gang over at Now with Dave Brown has in store for us tomorrow beginning at 9 a.m. Okie dokie, Thursday morning, we have Kevin Shaw discussing the rise in artificial intelligence, and he's going to try to analyze the impact that AI has on human relationships, of course. Million-dollar question, Kev. Marco Falalo from Access Tech Live will provide the details from Samsung's Unpacked Showcase, uh, especially around the information on the new Galaxy S24. Someone's got to update me on how these uh, numbers uh, for the Samsung Galaxy S series continues on. Also, entertainment critic Michael McNeely will review the uh, film uh, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone. Okay, awesome. Third show, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv, folks. You can also listen in on AMI Plus over there, too. Oprah Winfrey was not about to ruin her makeup for cheap dry pizza at the Critics' Choice Awards <laughs> On Sunday night, we were speaking of this, this uh, about the awards the other day. This came out off of uh, Reuters. Uh, she didn't want to get her lipstick ruined or her weight loss plan, she said, by indulging uh, in the pizza in a bag. In a Interesting bag? Interesting description. Yeah. Not just wrapped in plastic. Oh, in my a bag. God. This is your individual, right? <laughs> this was Sunday night, folks, during the awards. Now, towards the end of the ceremonies when this happened, servers went around to guests with a miniature flatbread pizza individually wrapped. I guess you'll probably look bad if you said, I'll take six of those, please. Um, <laughs> however, the dinner choice did not really go over well. It actually proved to be unsatisfactory to many of the attendees, including the Color Purple cast, the uh, Oprah Daily uh, account, uh, Instagram account, captured the moment that Fantasia Domino, uh, Taraji P, uh, Danielle Brooks, and Winfrey were served the pockets of pizza, garner garnering <laughs> a very mixed reaction from the group. <laughs> they got now, their facial Brooks, reactions? Oh, yeah. They got it out there on Instagram for sure. That's now, here's the mixed reactions, folks. Brooks grabbed her piece with a smile. Henson looked a little bit skeptical as she examined the flatbread before finally diving in. Meanwhile, Bruno and Winfrey sat with their hands on their laps oh. and politely declined the food. Oh, However, seriously. when the camera turned to the American Idol alum, she jokingly asked, woman after my own heart here, where are the lamb chops? Ouch. Before bursting into laughter. Winfrey, for her part, pointed to her mouth and said, I'm not messing up my lips, the lipstick, sorry. Fans were shocked, Rumi. I, I, I guess for whatever shocked. reason I am too. What? Because we didn't indulge in this troll job? Come on. No, just that it was pizza. Yeah, exactly. Your troll I, I think job. We get, get it in our head, right? We want, oh, aren't we going to spend more money in that? And where are people... my bougie hors d'oeuvres? I know. Get I pizza pockets anything. at home from the grocery I store would... Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That might be. No, the I would make a fuss. Right? If I was Oprah, I would definitely. Yes, of course. I, I wouldn't want to ruin anything, whether it was lipstick or, or <laughs> my clothes in case something dripped on it or whatever. Yeah. I, remember I think going she's on TV Weight Watchers as well. Weight. That is some serious yes. stuff. 
Well, and that's what she said. Sorry, guys, I've lost some weight. I'm not killing it in like two bags of pizza. <laughs> pizza, ow. <laughs> Do you think some people making fun of this is just because it's pizza for all these celebs? Hey, I don't think it's bad that it's pizza, but just make it a little gourmet. Like I can get more gourmet sounding things next door to my house than yeah. this. I know, at Come the uh, corner store, right? You could go get some pork rinds <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, have fun no, with the pork rinds. I'm kidding. What if it tasted oh. good? Oh, I'm sure it was good because the chef was paid like a phenomenal amount of money to me. Well, I bet. Coming up on tomorrow's program, folks, as Mental Health Awareness Day approaches, Michael Fair lets us know about a meditation app that has caught his attention. Curious Minds, Christine Malik is talking about irrigation systems, their histories, and how it works. We uh, visit with you again starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on the program tomorrow, folks. Hope you can be with us on AMI-tv or listening in on AMI-audio. Fedora's off to you. One of my friends one time said the phrase, we've outsourced our brains to all these apps and technologies. And it could not be more true, right? We don't use our map skills and our direction finding skills and our problem solving skills that way when it comes to travel and orientation and mobility the way we used to because now we have our GPSs to do all of that. We don't have to write down or remember or jog our memories of events that are happening, appointments, to-do lists, because we not only can put them in our calendars and the calendars remind us, but they send us all kinds of emails and nudges to be like, heads up, you told me that you got to get this done and yeah, are you ready to check it off your list? So we're just not using our cognitive skills or abilities or functions in the ways that we used to. And this is not necessarily a complaint as much as it is just the awareness of how much is given to us, is automated for us, how much um, control and customization we can give these apps and technologies to then take it off our own brain to do's and our brain functionalities and it does scare me definitely does especially when I know I don't have to get up exactly at 8 30 a.m because I can snooze my button and it will allow me to sleep in another half an hour mm, a bit terrifying that you know as full grown adults I could just be like one more minute mom but just to my phone Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.